The producers of this podcast wish for you to know that the following recording and the discussion therein pertaining to Muppet violence was recorded before the February 1st Today Show attack committed by Larry David. For the sake of honesty, we have kept this conversation and this whole episode entirely unedited as this show is famously always completely unedited. Thank you. At the dawn of the internet, the courageous nerds on the Tough Pigs Forum nobly took on the responsibility of incomparable importance, arguing about Muppets. Now, today's Muppet experts from all over the world have gathered for a summit on the state of the Muppets. This is the Great Muppet Fandom Panel! Gosh, it's it's awfully quiet this time. Normally everyone's talking over me as I'm trying to introduce the show, but right now, very quiet panel. I guess I should uh, check in with everyone. Uh, how is everybody doing? Every so second oh, oh, good heavens. Okay. I should have seen that coming. I brought that upon myself. Well, I'm muting you, muting you. Muting you, like muting you, and welcoming you Me? to the winter 20... No, not you. Okay. To the winter 2024... Who are you? I don't know. Honestly, as the kids say, mood. Uh, welcoming you to the winter 2024 edition of the Great Muppet Fandom Panel from ToughPigs.com. As the name suggests, this is a panel discussion show in which we check in with the Muppets every few months and see how they're doing, always with a different group of Muppet fans. It's sort of like a quarterly report on the state of the Muppets, except I've heard it said that the state is a monopoly on violence, and the Muppets are led by Kermit, who doesn't believe in violence. Therefore, there can be no state of the Muppets. It doesn't exist, and neither do you. As you can tell, this is a super accessible show that makes perfect sense to new listeners, very easy to follow, not alienating or confusing, just a very chill time with ordinary people. Speaking of people, let's introduce the panelists. First up, from the beloved Muppet Movie Podcast, moving right along, in search of good times and good news with good friends you can't lose, this could become Anthony Strand. Hey, JD. I'm so excited to finally be here. I, I love the show so much. I'm so glad you're finally here. My gosh, I can't believe it's taken this long. I know. Ho- hopefully it'll be worth it, like, for you. I know that it'll be worth it for me, but hopefully I don't let you down. No, Anthony, you can't do that. My expectations are already as low as they can possibly be. We're fine. Next. <laughs> there it is. Also from the Tough Pigs team uh, and from the podcast Fraggle Talk, let the Fraggles play. We're Beth Cook. Hello. Thank you so much for having me back. Uh, yes, Beth Cook, uh, she, her. I don't know what else to say. You summed it up great. That's it. You you, you have already fulfilled your obligations. Great. <laughs> You're good. Can I, can I go now? Is that all you needed That's from me? That's it. True. We got it. We're okay, good. Perfect. Take care. See you later. Um, also, Jared is here. And finally, from the multi-Muppy award-winning podcast, Commitment... <laughs> I'm so sorry. Uh, I'm so angry. Jared, let me give you a proper introduction. You know him as one of the owners and editors of Tough Pigs, and one of the hosts of To Introduce Our Guest Star. Before that, he ran the Muppet Mindset for six years, and before that, he ran everyone's favorite Muppet website, sesamestreetorbust.blogspot.com. He's the most sensational, inspirational, celebrational, Muppetational. This is what we call Jared Fairclough. Yes, hello, everybody. Uh, it's a pleasure to be here. What an absolute pleasure. It's... Uh... I'm excited to talk about this movie two minutes at a time. (laughs) (laughs) 
finally, from the multi-muppy award-winning podcast, Commitment, uh, and I will also add he is the editor of the Tough Pigs YouTube video, More Lost Brian Henson Intros, why are there so many songs about Matthew Gatos? Hi, I'm Matthew Gatos, he, him, and I, I feel like the new kid at school, hanging out with all these uh, cool kids. Just being like, hey, thanks for letting me be a part of your group and lunch table. Can I just say, I think... I speak for the rest of us when I say that's the first time we've ever been called the cool kids. And it'll be the last. Yes. Yeah, there it is. 100%. 100%. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Although, actually, I was in the student government in my graduate school mm, library that's, that, association, I, that's not, so... That's not... That's not, not the, say, helping no. your case. <laughs> <laughs> okay. And I am your moderator, J.D. Hansel. Thank you. Thank you. I am so glad that you're all here. Jared, my gosh, your first time on the main feed. I had you on on the pilot. I've been meaning to have to have you on again. And, you know, everyone here is a podcaster. And so I want to ask you all uh, briefly about your podcasts. Jared. J.D. You just want a Muppy for uh, the, or I guess Frank Oz won a Muppy, but it was for your podcast to introduce <laughs> Look, our I'm guest gonna, star. I'm going to take it as the win, seeing as someone else kept winning all the other podcast awards. We're not going to uh, talk about him here. Just take the win. Just take, take the win. win. Uh, yeah, yeah. So uh, we, we won for having Frank Oz. I'm taking that as, like I said, a win for ourselves. That was that was a really crazy. That was a crazy day in general because I was going in for surgery like two hours after that interview ended. Right. What a weird day. And I woke up and the first thing I thought was like that was a that was a anesthesia dream. Surely, Jared, yeah, it was a real it was a real thing that happened. You should take credit for that win because a big part of why that episode is so darn good is you and Joe and the dynamic the two of you have together and the way that you interviewed Frank and surprisingly the incredible comedic dynamic that the three of you had together. Like yeah. the three of you could have hosted a podcast. It was and we it will. was truly amazing. We will. We're actually uh, I hope so. We're, I'm we're, looking forward to so. it. We're going to do moving right along for Muppets from Space because God knows he has some thoughts. Please. <laughs> By all means. Tears. <laughs> Speaking of moving right along, uh, th that show likes to think of itself as the flagship podcast of ToughPigs.com, despite all the work that I have done to make the Great Muppet Fandom Panel the flagship podcast of ToughPigs.com. <laughs> um, but you know what? I'm glad that we've somehow put the two flagships together because we've got Anthony here. Anthony, how you doing, buddy? I'm doing great. Um, am I talking about moving right along? Sure, or if you want just, to, by all means. Are, are we just talking about stuff? Moving right along, we have started recording our season on Muppet Treasure Island. Oh, I'm so excited. It doesn't have Frank Oz yet. Uh, it doesn't have Joe or Jared yet either, although they'll they'll both be I'm joining coming. us. I was going to say, I'm I've, sure. I've, yeah, yeah. I've got my two minutes already. Yeah, we have you on the spreadsheet. Yeah. yeah. But it's fun. It's fun to be back in it because I don't like Muppet Treasure Island. And we know. And talking about it is really fun, just like digging into it. You know, it's it's I'm I'm excited to learn why other people like it. Like I'm very uh, truly I'm going into it hoping with like a positive attitude hoping to finally understand why it's actually secretly great for for muppet reasons not for tim curry reasons cuz he's great <laughs> I, I like see. i like the human man far more than i like any muppet in the picture <laughs> yeah i i'm i'm actually excited about this too it's odd how i'm so eager to hear the opinions of someone i i disagree with since i am one of the Muppet Treasure Island lovers, and I feel like maybe there are there more of us now than there used to be. I, I My feelings about it are a lot more complicated. At this point, I look at every other scene and go, oh, that was a mistake. But I'm, <laughs> I'm looking forward to hearing you talk about it anyhow. Yeah, thank you. Beth, 
Fraggle Talk, it's uh, uh, wrapping up this season, and what an incredible season, my gosh. Um, uh, can you tell oh, us about... so much. Can you tell us about uh, some of the, the highlights from the show and what you're hoping for in the future? Yeah, it's been such a joy to go through Fraggle Rock to take a, a deep dive. Like, this is the kind of work that I would have loved to have done anyway, mm-hmm. but having the support of the tough pigs team behind me to be like yes this is a thing that people want please please go do it please give us more has been very encouraging to know that it's not just me talking to a wall about fraggles (laughs) all day we get some incredible insights and perspectives from our guests and my co-hosts so uh, Julia is also from Tough Pigs. So I'm watching as sort of the expert. Julia is watching, like re-watching after 10 years. And then right. we brought on my friend Adam, who is watching for the very first time. And I've really loved getting a first-timer's perspective. It's so good. I, I, I was... I was very honored to be the first return guest, which I don't think I, I fully realized I was going to be until I was on it. Um, <laughs> and I do think that it's, it's a very special podcast. My my gosh, you you are you truly you're you're doing something that that's very special. All of your podcasts are very special, but it, yours does hold a, a special place in my heart because it is um, willing to have a lot of conversations that I've just never heard on a Muppet podcast before. Part of that's the nature of Fraggle Rock, but uh, also part of that's the stuff that the the three of you bring. So cool! I'm so glad you're here. I'm so glad you're back. Oh, thank you so much for having me here, Matthew Gatos. By gosh, I've I've been wanting to have you on this show since the beginning too. Um, uh, how, how are you? Welcome. Uh, I am good. What can you tell us about what Kermitment is up to right now? Oh, well, I guess for those that don't know, uh, Kermitment is a show that me and my friend and co-host Sam Schultz hosts. We had this idea back in 2021 to start a, a Muppet podcast, and we were like, well, Tough Pigs is doing like eight, and they're all real good, so how do we make ourselves different? What if we foolishly decide to watch everything that Jim Henson and the Muppets have ever done in chronological order. So that means that coming up on three years later, we're 125 episodes in, and we're just in the middle of 1985. Incredible. <laughs> Truly, I'm always amazed that I'm always amazed that you keep it up and that you manage to uh, keep the show so interesting. When that is a commitment <laughs> that I would never have it in me to to take on. Sam and I have found a great balance. Uh, I am the spreadsheet master who I track down all these links and I have all our schedule and book our guest. And Sam edits the podcast so that it sounds like we're real smart. (laughs) Even though we might pause to Google something for 15 minutes, he'll just chop it out. No one ever knows that we're not actually smart. We've never done that on this podcast. No, I, I mean, I've no. I've been told that every episode of this podcast is completely unedited. That's famously, that's what we're known for. But we are actually in the middle right now of 1985, and that means we are discussing Muppet Babies Season 2. We are also discussing Jim Henson Presents the World of Puppetry. We have more episodes of Fraggle Rock coming up with Season 4 starting in early 1986. Uh, and uh, excitingly, we have The Muppets A Celebration of 30 Years coming up that Ooh. we'll be talking about pretty soon so yes it's a awesome. it's an interesting time but it also is you know it's interesting to do a podcast where you'll hear people talk about you know muppet treasure island or things like that and you're like yeah we'll talk about that in mm, eight years maybe <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah i appreciate the project that you're doing so much especially because i i would never be able to give that much attention to muppet babies i i respect uh, yeah. it very much 
as a as a completionist, I, I knew what I was signing up for to a, to an extent. But there's some early episodes of Commitment where we're talking about like, oh yeah, you know, when we're talking about the 2011 Muppets movie in a couple of years, and <laughs> now we're three years in, and uh, you know, we're still in Fraggle Rock times, so we're quite a ways from 2011, and the internet and YouTube hasn't even happened to the Muppets yet. So, oh yeah, yeah, I'm I'm fully expecting once we hit 1996, we have to, we're gonna have to do like 10 episodes about Elmo on the Rosie O'Donnell show. Uh, to cover all of his appearances. So, you know, look out for Commitment Season Elmo coming in a few years. Looking forward to it very much. It is now time for The Great Muppet Question. This week's Great Muppet Question was sent in by J.T. Hanksleben, who writes, 2023 was a big year for The Muppets. It saw the premieres of Season 54 of Sesame Street, The Muppets Mayhem, Fraggle Rock Rock On, Muppets Tonight, Christmas Eve on Sesame Street. The, the moon landing, and so much more. What was your favorite Muppet or Henson moment of 2023? Season two of Our Flag Means Death. <laughs> yes, every member of that crew is a Muppet. I believe you. I believe you. I'll, I'll watch it someday. My uh, dad's friend gave me an RCA Selectivision disc player, which is, for those who don't know, and nobody should know, is uh, an early competitor of laser discs pr- uh, produced by RCA, and, and for those who don't know what a laser disc is, a laser disc. <laughs> so it's a laser disc is like an old fashioned DVD that's a twelve inch. Looks like a record. And for those that don't know what DVDs are, right? Um... D- DVDs are um, coasters. So okay, yeah. So <laughs> we. Um, my dad's friend Scott gave me his his father's collection of RCA Selectivision discs, which included 145 titles. And among those 145 titles is Tales from Muppet Land 2, which is the second okay. release. And on one side, it's the Frog Prince, and on the other side, it's Hey Cinderella. And when I got my, my old uh, di- video disc player set up from 1982 or whatever, first movie I popped in was the Tales from Muppet Land, and guess what? I watched The Frog Prince. It looked like a digitized VHS tape. Good. It was it was skipping occasionally, but it Great. sounded pretty good. And <laughs> this is easily my favorite Muppet or Henson thing of the year 2023. Not even close. No competition. Somehow <laughs> that experience for you might also be my favorite Muppet thing of 2023. <laughs> Uh, I, I met Weird Al Yankovic and made him laugh. Oh, from Muppet Magazine good. with Fozzie, that guy. That guy, yeah, that's the only thing he's ever sure. done ever. Uh, yeah, I heard met of him. him. Heard of him. I met him and I made him laugh. Like, I made Weird Al laugh. Incredible. Like, I can die happy. I don't remember specifying in my question that this was about your favorite brags of 2023, but sure, <laughs> make it all about you. I'm, I apologize for bragging that yeah, I own an RCA Select Division. It's fine. It's fine. <laughs> Listen, I had a rubbish 2023. All right, so I get to brag Jared. about. I get to brag about oh, make, make a weird out laugh. Jared. Oh, buddy. You know what? Yes, <laughs> I'll give you that. I watched Meet the Feebles for the first time this year, so if anything's going to make you appreciate. Jim Henson and the Muppets way more. It's watching something like Meet the Feebles. Yeah, I, I also watched that for my first time in 2023. It has a staying power. Um, <laughs> yeah, you can't ignore it. You can't forget it even if you try. 
it's wild that I had not heard of it for such a long time, being in, in the Muppet fan space. It's just everyone completely avoided acknowledging that it existed. It wasn't like anyone was being <laughs> funny. No one wanted to joke about it you, at which, all. Which, to be fair, was maybe the right choice. Yes. You should yes. have been on Muppet Central Forum when Fellowship of the Ring came You're out. You're sure I should have been, Because it was a very different story. I, I should have been? I mean, you were, what, five or whatever, right? I, I just rewatched Fellowship of the Ring the other day. It's amazing to watch Fellowship of the Ring again and go, that's the same, same. man. <laughs> the same guy. 12 made this years fantastic apart. movie. Like, it's, it's only 12 years. It's not like, <laughs> it's not like it's, you know, 40 years later or something. Right. Like, it's Ugh. truly unfathomable. Wow. Mm -hmm. So it sounds like uh, you all loved what the Muppets were doing in 2023. That's great. Uh, well, we're going to jump into the news, but I must remind everyone that we're not going to cover every single itty bitty dog and kitty farm and city news story this time. This isn't a weekly updates <laughs> show. So if you're looking for that, I don't know. Uh, Commitment does a pretty good job of keeping up with everything. We try, but we also record like three weeks ahead. So if you're looking for actual news, eh, I don't know. Good luck. Well, you know, the best thing in that case, if you really want to stay up to date with all the Muppet news as it's happening, you should go to toughpigs.com and bookmark it. With social media being so topsy-turvy and unstable lately, you're much better off going directly to a website that has never had a technical problem or glitch. You hallucinated all of those. It turns out um, a website can have more content than its creator ever could have imagined, and it will always run perfectly. The Miss Piggy logo is always the same size when you load the page. <laughs> oh, I'm getting PTSD. Move on. Sorry. Uh, we'll see if that stays in. That all might get edited out. I did not clear any of that with Joe beforehand. Okay, we're going to start off the Muppet News with a story that's quite ungroovy. In November, we learned from TV Line that Disney Plus has canceled the Muppets Mayhem. This show that was instantly adored by so, so many Muppet fans only lasted 10 episodes. That's six fewer than the 2015 ABC show, for those of you keeping score. But its creators seem confident that they'll play with the Muppets again someday. Weeks after its cancellation, this series won the Emmy Award for Outstanding Children's or Family Viewing Series. I'd like to think Disney Plus was embarrassed by this Emmy win, but that's probably never how winning an Emmy feels. I'll never know. Panelists, are you sad to see the show go? I'm sad to see it go. I'm not surprised. It also felt like a one-season thing. Yeah. It kind mm. of feels like the way that um Adam Goldberg was sort of setting the whole idea of like a Muppet shared universe up or whatever it was, everything feels like it can be separate, like a little anthology almost. So cool, we had a whole series of just Muppets Mayhem. Cool, let's do a series of Veterinary's Hospital or Pigs in Space or whatever it might be and sort of branch out. The one thing that disappointed me is I thought Sarah Chaudhry was excellent and I'm disappointed that we won't see more of her doing stuff or at least with the Muppets. To be fair, though, it, you know, we saw Ricky Lindholm get reused in this series and True. she was in the 2015 series. So we, we we've seen plenty of actors, even in recent times, come back to play with the Muppets again and again. So maybe she get she gets another chance uh, because, yeah, I don't know when Disney cancels a series. It doesn't feel like a thing that they're going to necessarily say, here's our expanded Muppet universe. Right. I think it's going to be a bit more of like, here's another Muppet thing. Maybe yeah. we don't mention the last one. Yeah. 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 If we could get Taj Maori back as well, that would be incredible mm -hmm. because he was one of my favorite parts of that show. Yes, please. Yeah. I, th I think for me that that show did feel sort of singular in its own way that it, like, there are obviously questions they, po they posed out 
you know, Janice's sister would have been an interesting story to get into in a season two. And they obviously put some seeds out there that they were gonna, you know, questions that were going to be answered and explored more in a season two. But they did it. They made a really good show. Like, even without a season two, I feel like they did a great job of putting out a complete piece of great Muppet media last year. Yeah, it's it's coherent. It works as something that's self-contained. I think it's also something that I got friends and family to watch who maybe had fallen off the Muppets a little bit, telling them Mm. there was a new Mm -hmm. Muppet show specifically about the electric mayhem, I think got the more casual fans excited where something like Muppets Haunted Mansion, I think you had to have a slight interest in the Haunted Mansion, which is an extra level of fandom to really enjoy that. And so you're asking more of like your dad or your mom or somebody in your family to be like, no, I think you should really check this out. I think you might like it if they've never ridden the Haunted Mansion. Whereas like, I feel like the electric mayhem like are just liked by lots of people. Animal is a lot of people's favorite Muppet. So it's, I think it's an easier ask to have somebody just watch this show. So I'll say that my whole family has never been to a Disney park and ridden the, like we've never ridden the haunted mansion. And my kids just think of that thing as a Halloween special. Like they, my, my children no. ages five and nine have, like, I think that they might know it's a ride, but like they, I bet they've seen it 10 times and they never once have been like, I don't understand why the painting is growing or whatever. You know, they just like, it's Halloween stuff. Yeah. I found with, um, this isn't a conversation about Haunted Mansion, but it is now. I had been <laughs> on Haunted Mansion years and years ago. I had watched uh, Muppets Haunted Mansion and then I thought to myself, you know what, I'm going to just watch a uh, like a ride through of the Haunted Mansion just before I watch it again when I was writing my review. Mm. And I found watching it again, I managed to pick up on every single little Easter egg. I was like, right, that makes more sense. But I think you, uh, Anthony's right in that you don't necessarily have to have watched. I uh, need to know much about Haunted Mansion before you um before you watch that special. Going back to uh, Muppets Mayhem, I think what confused a lot of us Muppet fans is that this show was very well received. Critics really liked it. The casual yeah. Muppet fan really liked it. People who weren't casual Muppet fans really liked it. Yeah. I don't understand why Disney were like, cool, no more. Like, what are you doing? Like, this is right. arguably one of the best things they've done in 10 years. Everyone really likes it. It's winning awards. It's doing all this stuff. And now you're just going to be like, yeah, but we're not going to make any more. Yeah. I think what you mentioned earlier about the, like, doing it as an anthology show where it's like next ne- next season is Bunsen and Beaker Adventures or whatever. I think that would have made sense to just announce that yeah. rather than like, like if they had said like Muppets Mayhem was a smash hit next up, we're doing bear on patrol. Right. All cops are bears. All cops are bears. It would have been great if they had found a way to announce that without leaning so hard into the idea of uh, the cinematic universe framing or like saying, this is our you, Iron Man that, that may me- have on some level implanted unrealistic expectations in someone's mind. You don't need to hear the sentence, somehow Doc Hopper returned. (laughs) (laughs) And now I do. (laughs) (laughs) The more I think about it, the more I like that. I like that a lot. Oh, gosh. Uh, We have a little more Muppet Studio news to follow up with from last year. Kermit and Miss Piggy appeared, in some form, in the stage show Jollywood Nights at Disney's Hollywood Studios in Orlando, Florida. It looks like these were the puppets from the great 
Muppet moments in fandom panel history or whatever. Uh, panelists, <laughs> is this a good use of the Muppets in the parks? Yes. Yep. Next question. Okay, sure. Moving right along. Uh, no, I think it's a solid idea. Um, I know, obviously, the Muppets have been part of Imagineering for some weird reason. I don't understand why. Yeah. The Muppets are part Odd. of Imagineering. And Lee Slaughter, who is the current vice president of um, Muppet Studio, came from Imagineering and has worked in Imagineering for a long time. Mm-hmm. So she's really been pushing. She's like, why can't we get the Muppets in the parks? Right. And especially now they've got these, you know, really nice puppets. And uh, they obviously trained these puppeteers really well. Well, obviously, there's the whole sort of, you know, Kermit should only have one performer, that sort of thing. I almost think this is an okay version of going away from that. How like, dare you? How dare you? My gosh, I'm so... Apo- Go ahead, explain. <laughs> um, because they're not trying to... Like, because it's, it's it's Matt and Eric's voices. Like, it's just lip-syncing along. But, Jared, the voice is nothing, remember? Don't, don't get <laughs> me into that argument. <laughs> Hmm? Don't give Remember me what your buddy Frank says? Huh? Your friend Frank? I've met Frank. Um, you've got me off my point now. Thanks very much. Happy to do it. It's an honor. I think if it was some, like, you know, poor 21-year-old doing his best Kermit impression, it'd be different. Then I'd be going, oh, what are we doing? Let, let's not do this. But the fact that you've got a lot of love going into these shows as well, I think this is fine. This, this I'll allow. Okay, so you like the you're you're okay with the nature of what they are doing. How about the contents of the show? Or if if you've had time to see it, absolutely no pressure. If you have not, it I, is I, have I would say it. not an important enough thing. Yeah, I have skimmed it. I was more just I was curious to see how the puppetry looked and how those puppets move because they're slightly bigger than the normal puppets and not sort of made of the same stuff. Right. I think they're yeah. made to be a little more durable. It was fine. It was medium Muppet material. It could have been better. It could have been a hell of a lot worse. Yeah, I watched it in my kitchen on my iPad while doing the dishes. And it has, like, background noise in the month of December. It was fine. It was pleasant. I didn't uh, take out a second mortgage on my house to go see it, you know? <laughs> right. <laughs> and that's why I was fine with it being pleasant. I don't know. I feel like you're in the room. I, it, it it seems like it would be underwhelming, but what do I know? I think they've also just used the Muppets in this manner better at the parks. I yeah. think in, like, Mobile Muppet Labs was great. The Great Moments in American History, something I was, like, great. I was, I was grateful to see live yeah. at, when I went to uh, the parks before was fantastic, felt extremely on brand for the Muppets. Um, and even they did the Muppets Christmas Caroling uh, coach a couple of years ago. Yeah, that was and really that cool. And that felt like it had its own personality to it. Whereas this, I like that they don't forget the Muppets exist and that they are right. using them in the parks. But I definitely don't think this is the best use of them in the parks. What would you like to see for Muppets in the parks? I mean, the fact that Sam got a restaurant is truly wild. Really weird. Like, I don't know why they don't, like, lean into something more there, because it is... They they decided to give Sam the eagle uh, entire restaurant, which is the boldest, weirdest Muppet Disney choice they've made in a while. Uh, but I think, obviously, I think, like most people, the Muppet Courtyard being a true Muppet Courtyard in some way uh, and just would be amazing and then obviously the other secondary one would be having the electric mayhem rock and roller coaster which you know when a a tv show about them gets canceled maybe isn't the best omen that that might happen someday uh but you'd still love to see it because who the hell listens to aerosmith these days my brother-in-law 
Well, if he can go like a thousand times a year to Disney World and keep that ride afloat, maybe they'll have good reason to keep Aerosmith on that ride. My nephew would enjoy that. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Somehow that's how we're concluding our conversation about Jollywood Nights, unless anyone else has anything else to add. So I I can, having watched the thing and recording, like I said, there's maybe, like, it's a half hour show. It's not like Mm -hmm. it's, you know, it's not like it's a two hour spectacular. Right. But in that half hour, there's maybe 10 minutes of Muppet content. Yeah, it's the the Muppet you know, stuff is incredibly light. It's very spaced out. I imagine they were giving you know puppeteers arms tire, time to right. rest or what have you, and they wanted to feature other stuff and other characters because they have an incredibly strange segment with Mickey and Minnie where they come out on stage at the same time but are supposed to be like unable to see each other, it uh, as they're it, like in two different places. It's, it's so odd, and there's this framing device that they kind of tease and allude to slowly along the way, but then only mention explicitly way into it that it's you're watching them uh, filming a TV special, a Christmas TV special, like an old-fashioned Christmas special. It's yeah. really not clear up front. And so at a certain point, they're like, we're going to commercial. And it's like, what? How? We're... <laughs> Disney World is a commercial. How are you going to go to a commercial? Truly one of the strangest things. And uh, Kermit and Piggy are um, not especially funny in it, but I guess it's no. kind of authentic. Yeah, I don't know. I it's, it's, it's medium. <laughs> authentic to what? Well, that's the thing. Is Is like, I believed that it was Kermit and Piggy there, is what oh, I mean. Oh, sure. Yeah, like, it was kind of right. believable. Like, Kermit talked the way that you expect Kermit to talk, which is boringly and patronizingly to Miss Piggy. And Miss Piggy talked the way that you expect Miss Piggy to talk, which is thinking everything is about her. Right. So it's, you mean you mean in the year 2023, the way you expect Kermit and I Piggy know. to talk to each other. I know. Right? I, I mean, know. that's what you mean. It is. He doesn't, he doesn't know all about her career pig anymore. Yeah. It's real sad. I will just add, uh, there is something magical about getting to see the Muppets in person. Yes. And it's it's bringing me back to when I got to see a screening of the 2011 movie with something that was very, very similar to this. You know, there was like a, a live Kermit and Piggy there and a human host to banter with them. And obviously it was, you know, pre-recorded voices and local puppeteers. But at the time, I wasn't as deep of a Muppet nerd as I am now. And so I was just so amazed and honored to be getting to see Muppets in person. And I knew it wasn't quote unquote real Muppets, whatever that word means in that context. But it was so special. And if shows like this allow people to have that kind of experience, then cool. I, I'm a fan. You know, I would love it to have some better writing, but also if it Let's, you know, somebody go like, oh, my God, I got to see Kermit and Piggy actually there live in person. Then cool. Good for them. Yeah, absolutely. It it can be a very special thing. While we've been talking about Kermit and Piggy uh, and how they function in modern media, I want to uh, bring in our first discussion question from a panelist with uh, Jared. Could you tell us what your discussion question is today? Yes, so I've been talking about Kermit and Piggy. Um, I'm specifically Piggy. I want to know, is Muppet on Muppet violence funny? Yes. 
Okay, so I Depends asked... Depends on the context. Okay, so didn't I tell you, JD? This is how this conversation would go. So I you asked You didn't that, tell me anything about how this conversation would go. No, but I said people would have different opinions. And uh, so, <laughs> far, so far, the two people I singled out as having different opinions have expressed their different opinions. And that's why I wanted to have these conversations <laughs> with Beth and Anthony. <laughs> so, like, there's been a lot of conversation... Not so much recently, but especially last year, there was some conversation about Miss Piggy and like karate chopping and stuff like mm-hmm. that. Mm-hmm. And it led to a lot of people saying that they didn't like the karate chopping and talking about that sort of thing. And it was at a time where like I couldn't really come up with like an article about it. So I sort of just let it slide. And then recently I've just got thinking about it again. So, you know, Anthony, you say yes. Is that yes across the board whereas you know Beth you just said uh, it depends on context well I don't think anything I don't think every example of anything is funny like is is are all jokes involving Muppet violence funny no of course not like that's never the case with anything but I to me the Muppets are so abstract and it's to me it's similar to like to like Looney Tunes or something yes where the my right, point is very vi- much that it is cartoon violence. Yes. And the violence in either of those two, in like puppet violence or cartoon violence, it never hits me in a way that feels real. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't, because like, I, I, in real life, I am a pacifist. Like, to, to the core. Right. But I don't know, man, there's something about watching, you know, uh, uh, Muppet's head get exploded because he doesn't, drink Wilkins coffee or watching Daffy Duck get shot square in the face Mm -hmm. that makes me laugh out loud every single time. (laughs) And I can't explain why, you know, like, like I'll watch Looney Tunes with my kids even, or, or Sam, like uh, Wilkins and Wilkins commercials and things that like, I would not want them to, to experience in real life. You know, like I wouldn't, I wouldn't want my kids to watch jokes about shooting in a live action context. Of course. But in it, when it's, there's that removal of puppetry or, or animation, it's just like, (laughs) like every time I'm just losing my mind. My kids are losing (laughs) our minds over it, you know? And it, it never feels real enough to offend me personally. You know, mm-hmm. and I guess that's what the thing is for me. Sure. Mm-hmm. And there are degree. What what's interesting here is there are degrees of abstraction between Muppet productions and even different moments in Muppet productions. And so there's Muppet stuff that's really abstract and cartoony. Again, especially like in the in the early sketches. And then you get to stuff that's more narrative driven and character based, where the characters are supposed to have several dimensions to them. And then for me, at least, I start to think of them a little bit more as people. And although I think the Muppet movie, there's like that very real feeling that Kermit might get shot with a gun by a human, you know? Right. Whereas if, if Doc Hopper had a henchman that was, you know, thog or something, it wouldn't, it wouldn't hit the same. It wouldn't feel mm-hmm. real. You, you know what I mean? In that mm. three-dimensional, like, more realistic movie, I think the, the assassin still needs to be a human for it, to, for it to hit. There's such a big difference in feeling between, like, a Wilkins Coffee commercial versus the Gelflings being hunted down in Age of Resistance. Yeah. And drained of their essence and, you know, having to fight 
guerrilla warfare and it's not just the more realistic looking puppets it's also what you were talking about jd these are now three-dimensional characters that we're supposed to you know identify with and and that definitely makes it feel different i think that's this makes this like this is i feel like we're getting at the root of the muppets and why it's hard to write for the muppets because mm-hmm. it's such a <laughs> narrow needle to thread because it's always about the context it's always what happened just before and just after uh because we do need those serious emotional moments sometimes where we connect to these characters like they're real and sometimes those are the best moments you have gonzo singing my way on the muppet show and you're like oh my this is a mm. real person who I feel for and I want to cry but also I like watching him crash his motorcycle into a theater box occupied by two elderly men and (laughs) both things can be true Uh, and I think it's maybe harder now because we don't see the Muppets as often and when we do we typically see them treated more like people than like cartoon characters come to life especially after the 2015 series which I am personally a big fan of same but it's hard to argue that 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 series does not present them as you know people essentially and so seeing them slap each other around in a workplace on that show might be a little bit weirder than somebody hurting somebody on the muppet show uh just because again fraggle rock you see fraggles get tossed down the well by junior gorg and you're like eh, they're fine it's fun (laughs) like i understand the violence level that's happening here they're going to survive that but it's something where i think it is scaled back on back to the rock so i think it's also something about the era we're in now and we don't want kids recreating some of these things and maybe we've learned from past mistakes but there are times i feel like when muppet violence is perfectly acceptable as long as you know someone's there to communicate to the kids that like just because miss piggy doesn't doesn't mean you get to do it yeah right yeah they work best when they're very real and they also work best and only work best when they're very much not real i don't know how to solve that conundrum not a <laughs> right? clue. and that's not for us to solve <laughs> i think only jerry jewel knew i i really do like yeah, yeah. I, I think other people have written good muppet stuff Mm-hmm. Like you know what I mean? I'm not gonna sit here and be like, "Well, every everything without Jerry Jewell's name on it is garbage." That's not what I'm saying. Right. But I do think he had an, an innate sense of what what made those characters tick that no one has quite had since. Beth, what discussion question have you brought for us? So Tough Pig shared the news that there's going to be a new collaborative show with Brian and Wendy Froud and the Jim Henson Company, specifically about Brian Froud's fairies. I personally am not worried about the quality of this endeavor. I am worried about, one, it getting to happen at all, and two, if it does, immediately getting canceled. Mm-hmm. What, what do we think the chances are that this could turn into something lasting? Look, if I see the phrase, the Jim Henson Company are making something, I will leave it when I see it. How many times have we been told, Jim Henson Company are doing this? How many of them have ever come out? So it sounds amazing and it sounds like it'd be wonderful. I'll I'll believe it when I see it. I am firmly a believer in the idea that if a show is only one season, but it's real great, that's fine. A lot of my favorite TV shows of all time 
are, you know, freaks and geeks. Um, the the live action tick, the first one with Patrick Warburton. The I mean the the Jim Henson hour for heaven's sakes is one of my favorite things, um, and I really feel like if something dies young but but is a joy, that's just something great that I get to watch over and over. You know? Okay, how do I adopt that mindset? Because I just keep getting my heart broken with all of these cancellations. I, I, I but but I'm also like at heart I'm a movie guy. Also, like mm, I, I, true. I I I tend to look at a show that has run for like three seasons and be like, I don't want to catch up on this. I'm gonna watch 36 movies instead, <laughs> you know, or whatever. And so to me, it's like Dark Crystal: Age of Resistance is a perfect example to me where it's it's remarkable that that happened that we have those 10 episodes that look great uh to me are much more engaging than the movie frankly and like oh, they, yeah. they didn't do a second season that's fine i get to i get to watch it again i get to i get How to see what fine because How is that fine <laughs> because i get to like let me let me think of how to phrase this there is <laughs> I love this conversation so much. It is much. 10 hours long already. That is, it is like six and a half times the length of the movie. And um, like Deet and Hup are, they're so special to me, Beth. And yeah. I never, Jared doesn't believe in sincerity. I never had to watch that show go downhill. I never had to write a Tough Pigs article about how this show isn't as good as it used to be. Mm. And that's fine. You know, like if a show, if a show burns bright and then all we have is the memories, I don't know. Great. That's, that's fine with me. There's something else to watch. Who cares? Okay. Maybe I just need to practice getting into that mindset. You know what you do? You, you start a podcast where you agree to watch everything they're ever going to make. And then suddenly when they're like, hey, there's less episodes of this thing you have to watch 10 years from now, you're like, yeah, you know what? Maybe it's okay that that one ended after a season. <laughs> there you go, man. Okay, fair. Go. I um, I also, I've very much adopted a mindset. I've been burnt too many times. Too many good shows have been canceled after maybe not one, but maybe two or three seasons. So I watch a show now a show that's still running, I watch it now and I watch that last episode of a season as if this could be it. And so I remember watching, um, like the first time it really, really devastated me that something had been cancelled on a cliffhanger was The Last Man on Earth. Like, that, sure. now bless Will Forte because he came out and told everyone what, was, what probably would have happened. And I was like, all right, cool. So I still get a little bit of closure. But, like, I have been watching that show Upload that's on um, Prime, uh, which mm -hmm. I really enjoy. That just ended season three. I watched the end of that season, and I'm like, I don't know if it's coming back. I couldn't see anything about it's coming back. So I'm like, cool, that could be it. So I've just had to adopt that mindset. So I almost don't get disappointed now when things are cancelled. I go in expecting the worst and hoping for the best. And so I find that way I can't be disappointed, which is probably wow. quite a pessimistic way of, uh, of, of, of going about things, but that's all right. So Beth, if you sing the Mel Brooks song, hope for the best, expect the worst to yourself over and over and over, then uh, I think you'll be just fine. 
Okay, note to self. <laughs> I'm also, I, I am just, I, sometimes I feel like the Henson Company makes decisions and I'm like, who, who's calling the shots over there? Well, who's, <laughs> this, is a weird, this is a weird idea. No, I was going to go on an angry <laughs> rant about the streaming services because like, okay, they're, they're working, you know, with uh, Amazon. Like, do I trust Amazon at this point? No, they canceled the League of Their Own. I, Disney canceled Muppets Mayhem and Willow. Max canceled Our Flag Means Death. Netflix canceled Age of Resistance. I don't trust any of these biz streaming services anymore to put art above profit. Yeah. Why would I? Why would anyone? Now that I'm saying that out loud. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. No, that's what? the thing. Yeah. That's, that, that's why I think any, any creative success is a miracle. <laughs> it shouldn't you know, have like... to be. <laughs> I guess this is just making me frustrated as someone who's trying to make a creative career. It's like, sure. what's what's the point if you're just going to get canceled anyway? If you get a glimmer of hope and then like, poof, it's gone. Well, look at it this way, Beth. You might only get a fraction of a glimmer if you get greenlit and they film the thing and then still don't release it. That could oh. always happen instead. That, so yeah, that's the worst it's, scenario. It's fine. Yeah. It's fine. This is all fine. Uh, Anthony, what's your discussion question? Well, my discussion question is actually uh, semi-related to this. Uh, another recent announcement was that Henson and Shout Factory announced that Shout will be licensing the Dark Crystal and Fraggle Rock. Um, we've heard about some digital releases of these things also, but I imagine we'll be getting the millionth uh, Blu-ray release of those two movies. So my question is, do you think physical media... Uh, still has value in the streaming age. Yes. Oh my God. The ev with everything getting canceled and then pulled. Yeah. Like you can't own a physical copy of Willow now. You can only either pirate it or never see it again. And if that's going to continue to happen, physical media has to continue to exist. See, this is where I turn around and I have no sympathy. The, the studios when it comes to pirating that's where i'm like you know what you've made your own bed now you lie in yeah. it i yep. i like disney turned around last year and announced they were no longer doing physical media in australia i think we were like the mm. test run wow right yeah yeah so everything yeah. is gone we used to go into like our big almost like best buy or something like that we would go into these big box stores and they would have all the dvds and blu-rays and there was a section just for disney that's all mm. gone and so, you know, they're going to, like, you look at that movie they released um, last year, Moon or something like that. It was some, about some kids in space. I don't know exactly what it was. And Disney released it. And I think three weeks later, we're like, cool, we're taking it off streaming. Obviously, there's reasons for it. I don't understand it. But now there's no way, if you're in Australia, I think they released it on DVD in America. But if you're in Australia, there is no way for you to get that now. Right. I do think, I, like, I recently got rid of a lot of DVDs. I moved about 18 months ago, got rid of every DVD I had, bar, I think I kept maybe 30 of them. Because they were significant. Or there were things that I could not find in any other place. So for that, I'm like... I see I see the value in it, but also I find physical media can get so expensive and it's such a pain to store as well that for me, I will probably just, and I speak for myself and not the brand, I will continue to borrow things because it's just easier for me. Yeah, I have a, not a huge physical media collection, but I definitely have a lot of movies where if it suddenly disappeared from the internet, I would be disappointed. 
uh, kind of DVDs, Blu-rays, 4Ks, mm. like all in my collection. And yeah, I think it's a shame now that it feels like a real possibility that the Muppets Mayhem could be deleted from Disney Plus and we could not legally watch it. And going through a lot of old Muppet stuff, it makes more sense that, you know, Tinker D isn't on Disney Plus. But uh, the idea that Disney Plus would make an original Muppet show and then just delete it, which again, we don't know that that's happening or will ever happen. But it feels possible because like you said, right. the, the, the movie you were mentioning is called Crater. That was like, yeah, kids going to the moon. It was like a Disney Plus original movie about kids going to space. And the only way you can get it now is to pay for it on other streaming platforms like Amazon Prime or something. And it's yeah. like you can't even get it from the platform that created it. And it's it's truly a weird, weird time that I feel like something will settle in like five years. They'll figure out what to do with this stuff. And we might not have as many shows coming out as rapidly as we do right now because I think maybe they're stretching themselves a bit too thin. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that rubber, that rubber band is snapping back in the form of many cancellations. But I think physical media especially is important for, you know, the, you mentioned the Frog Prince and, like, Hey Cinderella, and it's we wouldn't have the versions we have now on the Internet to watch unless somebody had ripped a piece of physical media at some point. Right. Because a yeah. lot of these things that just aired before the age of the internet, like if you didn't see it that one time it aired on ABC at seven o'clock at night on Tuesday, you didn't get to watch it again unless somebody recorded it later. So I am eternally grateful for physical media, both new and old. Yeah, we've kind of been asking for a very long time for more and more and more Muppet material to go on Disney+. Plus. And I suspect that if that happened, then it might be harder to see the stuff that is currently on YouTube on places like YouTube. And personally, I feel like we've kind of lucked out that Disney has largely just turned the other way and ignored all of the copies of Muppet Family Christmas that are just around. Because it would be nice for them to acknowledge it and feature it in a nice, shiny package with a, a good poster on it and make it more visible to families and stuff. But, like, we've got a lot of ways to watch it as it is that maybe would start to disappear if there was one official, probably heavily edited version of it that was the one that we had to watch. So... I don't know. I guess what I'm saying is I'm kind of okay with the total collapse of the streaming model. I'll live. (laughs) (laughs) But would the Muppets Mayhem have existed without it? No. Absolutely not. Absolutely not. Right. Right. In Fraggle News, we're going back to back to the rock. The second season premieres on Apple TV Plus on Friday, March 29th, which is this Friday, if you wait until March 24th through March 28th to listen to this podcast. <laughs> As for what oh. the new season... <laughs> I get bored when I'm writing these scripts, and it's then that It's the happens. beginning of the year. You cannot mess with people's perceptions of time like that. Yes, I... I have you never seen Time Peace? As fans of Jim Henson, we have an obligation to mess with people's perception of time. Now, you made me... Pro- before this podcast that I wouldn't make a joke about firing you. You made me promise. We had a conversation about it. I didn't make you promise. I and asked. I'm not going to say it. I'm not going to say it. Okay. I'm not going to say it. Told, That's all. I, That's all. Move on. Continue. I told, I told Joe that when he we were talking about who was on the lineup for this podcast, I said, I can't wait for Jared to tell us who's fired. <laughs> I was told I wasn't allowed to. Continue on. Good. I Never do it again. I, I I agree. This is the opinion that I endorse, but I can only have some control over it for this podcast. Okay, moving on. Um, <laughs> can I come work at Commitment instead? 
I mean, sure, we don't have any money. Neither do we. Neither do we. Neither do we, yeah. That's fair. <laughs> That's the... The okay. biggest Muppet coup in the fandom right now. <laughs> Kermitbit steals Jared from Tough Pigs. I don't know what. I don't know to do what, but I mean, we, got we him. stole Jared. We stole Jared from Muppet Mindset. So yeah, Jared can't be trusted, is what we're saying. No, he I can just... be bought. That's what it is. I can be bought <laughs> for one dollar. Okay. I'll take it. At this point in my life, I'll take it. <laughs> As for what this new season of Fraggle Rock: Back to the Rock will entail, and and Blubius, that was a weird joke. Apple has stated the following. In the... <laughs> I'm sorry. Wow, that, that was two really weird jokes too close together. I'm so sorry. Okay. You are making it so hard. Just, I, I was fine until I saw Anthony start to fall over. And then, and then I was not fine. I'm so... Uh, it's it's 10.58 p.m. here. Okay. All right. <clears throat> Apple has stated the following. In the second season of the Emmy Award-winning series Fraggle Rock Back to the Rock, the reboot of Jim Henson's beloved classic Fraggle Rock, the Fraggles are back for more epic, fun adventures. This time, with big changes affecting the Rock, the Fraggles, the Doozers, and Gorgs will be forced to confront their past and celebrate their independence no, wait, as they uh, move if, through challenges you, together you, with hope no, and JD, silliness. JD, JD, it does say JD, interdependence, JD. not independence. Interdependence. That's the opposite of independence. Interdependence. <laughs> Wow! I've read over this a couple of times and never seen that. Ah, that makes a million times more sense. I've been yep. so confused by this dang. Wow. <laughs> you mean a Fraggle show is going to talk about interdependence? I can't. That's I can't believe. It I never would have guessed. They're busting out the pipe bangers, baby. Oh, okay. So they're going to move through challenges together with hope, silliness, and brand new songs all while dancing their cares away down at Fraggle Rock. So, so the description's kind of nothing. Um, yeah, yeah, it's words. It's words. Um, but thank you for calling me out on my inability to read. That really has made me feel so much better about the new we season, We would actually. not have done it if it weren't such a crucial correct. it's really crucial that you yeah. no you're good you're you're thank you I'm truly wow um but the confront their past part I think I did read correctly yes yes because mm -hmm. that's pretty different from anything Fraggle Rock has ever done before so yes and no yeah Boober's gonna have to explain some tweaks that he made about 10 years ago <laughs> thank you for the pity laugh Beth go on <laughs> I think Back to the Rock is perfectly primed to give us a reckoning with the legacy of colonization metaphor. Mm. I'm not sure how exactly. I know I have my headcanons about how I imagine it could happen. But just as an example, talking about the fact that they set up a museum for all of these treasures that Traveling Matt uh, sends them, that right there you need to at some point address the problematic history of museums, not just history, present. The mm -hmm. problematic existence of museums and how they got the artifacts that they contain and the artworks that they contain. Now, most of the things that Traveling Matt has sent back have been, you know, things that wouldn't be very missed right. by by the silly creatures that he's getting them from and some objects were pulled from the trash from the craggles and the murgles and whatnot but the very last thing they put in it was a presumably expensive digital camera that belonged to doc and traveling matt just took it and that needs to be addressed and that's just one piece of how they could start 
to look at, hey, we might have done some bad things in the past, or our ancestors might have made some terrible decisions that we now feel mm. ashamed of and have to reckon with how that past affects our present and the choices that we now have to make for the sake of the future. Gosh, I hope you're right. I think the the handling of the Icy Joe episode yeah, that's sets what I was them thinking up too. really well yep. for this kind of thing because Icy Joe is so much this like it's a lot of messages in one where it's like the don't meet your heroes kind of thing, but it's also this you know outdated mentalities and different generations having to teach older generations about you know that's not how we behave anymore. Um, and so I think if any show can do it, Back to the Rock can make that kind of pivot and handle that pretty well. Um, it, you know, I think they proved themselves in, in season one that they are capable of tackling complicated issues in sometimes mostly subtle ways. Well, and I think also like the original series touched on this to a certain degree as well. Mm -hmm. Beth, what's the episode with the stone doozers? The doozers who oh, build the stone. The Cavern of Lost Dreams? Cavern of yeah. Lost Dreams, yeah. And that's kind of all about how the stone doozers are like a, a not not really a relic, but like kind of, and times have changed and mm -hmm. like society can't stay the same forever. So so like there's, and even like the Gorgs, like we when we hear about the Gorgs history, it's like how did these three, this one family, <laughs> determine that they were the leaders of the universe? You know, yeah. there's there's always this subtext of bumbling colonization, perhaps, but like they just like rolled in and decided they're in charge of the universe. You know, yeah, so I feel like any character in Fraggle Rock, whether it Gorg or Fraggle, could find out pretty easily that they had an ancestor that uh, had a not so shiny past. Uh, or did yeah. some horrible stuff in the past that they're going to have to reckon with. Like, you know, it won't necessarily be Uncle Traveling Matt, but like maybe Boober has an uncle that he holds up as a hero and loves and talks about all the thing. And they start reading his journal and they're like, hey, Boober, uh, your uncle had some troubling opinions that we're going to have to deal with. Right. Yeah. Very easy yeah. to imagine. They also touched on it in um, the Giggle Gaggle games. I can't in believe I said that without stuttering. Well Back to um, the Rock season one. Right? <laughs> yeah. Where, um, you know, Moki has this book all about the Craggles that she eventually finds out was not written by Craggles. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't think it's outside of the purview of Fraggle Rock as we've seen in the previous six seasons. You know, I don't, I don't, I, I don't think it's anything to worry about. I think they'll, they'll do it and it'll be entertaining and enlightening. And what I think is good with Fraggle Rock, like especially looking at Back to the Rock season one, they're not too heavy handed with it. They're going to do it in a nice yep. nuanced way where it's like accessible to everyone, easy to understand, a couple of different layers, but it's not going to be like, all our ancestors were awful and so is Booba's uncle or whatever it might be. As long <laughs> as they, as long as they stay out of the echo chamber again, that was the only yeah. one where You're I was right, like, that was oh, on the nose. Mm. Yeah. Like, you can't call it an echo chamber. <laughs> Come on. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, at this point, I think we're starting to move towards the end because we've covered both of the studios making Muppet content. That's enough for us to turn our attention to the Muppet fan community. Um, we're still making the best of things on social media, despite the way that we're a little more scattered than we used to be. I'm really happy to see the Tough Pigs Discord server has become busy with activity rather quickly. With the Muppet Twitter Awards giving us a chance to show our appreciation for each other, uh, there's been 
A lot of good vibes and kindness flowing around the Muppet fan sphere lately. What I wanted to talk about tonight is um, is what we make of the tension and unkindness. Uh, but I don't even know how to begin to talk about that. I've been kind of nervous about it. Uh, so I'm going to make Matthew begin to talk about it instead. Matthew, what's your discussion question for us? Yeah, I mean, you keyed it up perfectly. A lot of this thought was inspired by the reaction to the uh, Muppet Twitter Awards, uh, which I can't remember who won some of those. Oh, um, but, no idea. Uh, Bought me, Gaidos. <laughs> Uh, but which was but, a very positive thing. Like, I had such yeah, a lovely time the, that night. Of yes. course, of course. Uh, uh, th- there was a very fun evening um, that led to some general unpleasantness uh, amongst Muppet Twitter, which is not unheard of. Uh, there are, from time to time, there are waves of negativity uh, that encroach on this space that generally, you know, we all love and want to keep a positive space. And so I, I just sort of wanted to throw it out there to see sort of how that hits all of you uh, when you see those things happening. And because, you know, you're hosts of podcasts and part of a larger, uh, you have a certain amount of responsibility being a representative of a piece of the Muppet fandom. Yes. Uh, whether or not you, how much you carry that or how much you choose to use that is obviously up to you. You can engage or not engage. That is your choice. But I'm curious, sort of, when you see that stuff happening, one, it, how do you choose to get involved or not get involved? Uh, and two, how do you work to try and prevent it from happening in the first place? Because I, I, I kind of see myself and commitment as a place for, you know, we try to be as positive as possible or at least say this is our opinion. But especially on social media, <laughs> I try to present us as like, hey, we're the fun uncles trying to set a good example of how you should maybe behave on the Internet. Because, you know, a lot of us are, you know, not old, but older uh, compared to a lot of the people in the fandom who are maybe, you know, in their teens still who are, whether they know it or not, seeing examples of our behavior on social media and reacting in kind. So yeah, that's a very long winded question, but I'm just sort of curious your all uh, thoughts on that kind of thing. So I think when it comes to the younger people, like the younger fans, we are all <sighs> JD granted, I, I, like you're a what? 14 um but the rest of us we're all we're all older than you but even yourself like we all remember a time where social media wasn't at our fingertips like you know and we all grew up like i think i got my first i think it was myspace when i was about 15 16 right so i had i got to grow up without a lot of this sort of stuff being right there all these younger kids have had this at their fingertips their entire life social media is just a part of their lived experience and their entire life they are used to living their life out loud they are used to expressing every opinion um as you know i think there's a bo burnham song in inside where he's like anything and everything all of the time like tell us every thought you think and it jared was just... i was about to call you i was about to say to you okay bo burnham all right yeah. <laughs> but that's exactly what it is and it's so these people just think they're entitled to give every single opinion that they have and they haven't got the concept of, you know, maybe if you haven't got something nice to say, don't say anything at all, which is very much how I live my life on social media. I have my own negative opinions about a lot of the stuff I see in the fandom community, about what some of the fans do or say or whatever it might be. But I, I'm i 30, like, you know, nearly 35 years old. I, I don't... <sighs> need to get myself involved in that drama 
so I sort of step back from it. I really feel the need to jump in here for a moment and say, I understand, Jared, what you're saying about uh, how younger people have a different relationship to social media, and that has affected some of the negativity in the space. Um, it Young people have not been the prime movers. Young people have been trying to figure out how to deal with negativity in the space and yes, not handling it sure. maturely, but are um, uh, much more forgivable in their not handling it maturity when the negativity in the space is not just negativity. It's, it's, it's often been something much worse lately. Yes. It's hard to know exactly how to put it into words, but it's often yes. been something much worse. Right. And that said, I have made it known to Joe and Ryan and Becca running the, um, the discord if i need to step in and be the bad guy i'll step in and be the bad guy if you need someone to be pulled into line i'm happy to do it because at the end of the day i don't care if they like me or not like it doesn't it doesn't keep me up at night so unless i really need to get involved in which case but i mean i could count on one hand the amount of times i've had to do that in 10 years well but i think there is something important there to remember that like like i don't want to be too much like kids these days or anything like that but right. like, I, i'm not saying but i think there is I think it is when you are older or you have a large following or something, there is a responsibility there that some people like not even saying anybody like like specifically right now. But like when you have that level, there is a certain responsibility. Uncle Ben taught us uh, mm -hmm. to great power that you have to carry. And when you see that, like the majority of people who are following you are younger and maybe are whipped into a frenzy, be it good or bad, sometimes I think it can be. A, an abuse of power sometimes to sort of pit those groups of people against each other by saying that like you're either with me or you're against me um and it's a weird thing to see in a place where we're talking about fleece rags on hands <laughs> and it's just i i think uh, you know, stepping into spaces i think is a great thing. I have dm'd plenty of people on twitter being like, "Hey, i don't think that's the vibe." You want to keep going right now. Hmm. Uh, maybe consider deleting what you've posted. Uh, because there's a, a great quote from the, the book Bear Town that I always try to remember when I'm trying to think about the commitment fandom or the larger Muppet fandom, which is culture is as much about what we encourage as what we permit. So it's not only, you know, it's really easy to say like, well, I didn't tell my fans to do that or I didn't say this negative thing, but... If you're allowing it to happen in your Discord or you're allowing it to happen in your mentions and you're not trying to shut that stuff down, you're still making it happen in a way. And that's why uh, I think that your podcast permitment is just dead on. <laughs> Sorry, I apologize. Again, it's 11.15 p.m., but... <laughs> yes, you you are. Uh, that was a, a ridiculously silly response to uh, <laughs> precisely the point that I often at Tough Pigs have felt uh, yucky about the fact that we're not doing more. And a lot of times it seems like we do get caught up in just trying to preserve peace for ourselves and make sure that the brand stays intact and make sure, well, we're not the ones causing the drama and stirring the pot. But then we kind of just often, where it doesn't directly affect us, sit back and let it happen. And the only possible justification for that is it could seem really freaking patronizing for us to be like, well, you know, we're tough pigs. We're in charge in this fan community. And right. so we're going to tell you what conversations you can and can't have. Um, so, so if I can interject, right. I, 
if if I like I said, like if I need feel like I need to jump in, I will. Mm-hmm. It's only happened a very few t- uh, amount of times, but I think that's because I've got someone like Joe, and especially in the Discord, Becca, who can jump in and have these conversations in a much probably nicer way than I would have it. Because I very much live my life, especially, you know, with how my life's been the last 12 months. As I said at the start of the thing, I had a rubbish 2023. I haven't got time to deal with this crap. I haven't got the patience to deal with a lot of stuff at the moment. So I'm probably stepping back because honestly, and you know, it's with no pride I say this, I'm probably going to make it worse. I'm probably going to say the wrong thing in the heat of the moment and get someone else angry or kick up a whole other thing. So I just step back and only get involved when and if I have to. And we're we're very fortunate to have, uh, you know, Becca being able to de-escalate and certainly uh, Katie Lynn Miller being able to de-escalate mm-hmm. in, yes. in the Discord. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I also am very, because I can be quite snarky online and God knows you? I've made a lot of jokes about, Never. you know, about commitment, winning all the awards and stuff. But I am very... I, I'm very careful to make sure that that's coming across in a fun, joking, jovial manner. So I sort of do my best to be, I guess, that sort of role model. But with the other stuff, I'm just like, nah, I haven't, I haven't got the time to deal with your crap. I've got other things going on in my life. Have you have your arguments? I'm not, I'm just not going to pay attention to it. And I, like I said, I don't say that with pride. That's probably not a good way to live my life, and that's probably not what I should be doing as a figurehead of this community but that's where I just am at this point in my life. Yeah, to me, it brings up questions of, so I, uh, the words negativity and drama and disrespect, we all have very different definitions in our heads mm-hmm. of what those words mean. So when we're saying like, oh, we want this to be a, positive place or no drama allowed here or be respectful we have to start talking about what exactly that means because i mean and this has been and will continue to be you know an ongoing conversation in the tough pigs discord about like when do we step in and what where exactly is the line because like not all drama is created equal like you know two two Twitter users of the same age arguing about, you know, which character they like more is is, that could get called drama. But then if you're going to put the same label on something that has a vastly different power dynamic between the different players and, and, yeah, Beth, thank you, because I've been struggling to f- figure out how to put that into words as well. Um, okay, can I can I jump in for just one sec? Yes. Just because I feel like we're not talking about specifics, all right? Obviously, there have been specific things that have happened. As far as I'm concerned, I don't run, I'm not Elon Musk, I don't run uh, Twitter. So whatever happens on Twitter, two pe- people start having arguments with people on Twitter, doesn't involve me. Yes, the Discord is different. Yes, I am one of the editors of Tough Pigs. I am, you know, one of the admins of that Discord. Yeah, it's probably different. There are probably, you know, I need to pay more attention to what's happening there. But in the same way where if you don't have anything nice to say, don't say anything at all. If it's not, doesn't affect me, if it doesn't, not that it doesn't affect me, if it's not directly related to me, if I have nothing to do with anything that is going on, why get involved? That's how I live my life. 
Well, but it's and that may be fine for you as an individual, but then there are questions about chuff pigs as a whole, and there are questions about what does and it who say. Who we associate ourselves with? Yes, yes absolutely, and that, and that and that are that that is a running conversation in our private Discord, and that is a conversation that myself, Joe, and Ryan have. But that's also something that I don't particularly want to get into here, especially without those two here to sort of you know give their opinions and stuff like that. So. Yes, I uh, I am going to have to get cancelled by the end of this, and that's fine. I'll just hang out with Booba's uncle and his old tweets. <laughs> no, I think it's good generative conversation because the answer is, it's complicated. Mm. The answer is there, there is no There are no, no hard and fast lines, and yeah. This is going to have to keep... But... All just Matthew's way of getting me gone because I kept having to go in for winning. <laughs> yeah, this was really my, my secret plan was to be yeah. like, what can I get Jared to say? Yeah, um <laughs> But no, like, honestly, it is it is interesting being at, like, the different sort of tiers of this because, obviously, commitment's at a different level than tough pigs in these conversations. And so it's even just interesting to hear your all answers compared to, like, you know, we have less problem burning bridges sometimes uh, when we're, like, a, two people with a podcast that's only a few years old versus, like, a 20-year-old website. Like, there's a different responsibilities there and different powers along with that. But I think this, like... You know, if you don't have anything nice to say, I think is, you know, a good, obviously, thing for life. Uh, on that note, though, I when I'm on my personal Twitter and even commitments Twitter, I try to live by the words of Craig Ferguson, who said, uh, does this need to be said? Does this need to be said by me? And does this need to be said by me right now? And I think if you ask yourself those three questions before you tweet anything... Most of the time, the answer is no, just to the first one. Um, but especially if you're trying to dive into something like Jared said that doesn't directly affect you, it's it's gonna be pretty quickly when you decide like, does this need? Do I need to be in this conversation? The answer is almost always gonna be no. But there are times when somebody needs to say something, and even if it doesn't need to be one of us specifically, individually, it's still important that someone who is in some halfway prominent place in the fan community, uh, helps to establish what is normal and what is not normal, what is more acceptable or less acceptable in the fan community, just for the sake of safety and well-being. I think there's, so I think there's different approaches to this that I myself have taken, and I, again, not going to name specifics. There have been people I have DM'd on Twitter and called them out directly to their face for all, you know, lack of a better metaphor sure. there. Uh, but, like, I've been like, this is bad. What you are doing is a bad thing. And I think that you have not done things like this before. And I think this is maybe a mistake. You don't realize what you did. So maybe there's time for correction. There are other people who I feel like there is a clear pattern, have mm -hmm. been called out for things, and repeatedly continue to do the bad things. Yeah. I think that's the ones where you're like, okay, I, I've tried. I've maybe done things to maybe try and help that person. At a certain point, the best thing I can do is maybe ignore that person and not engage with them, not, like, uh, hang out with them in any way online. And I think, like, there is definitely times where stepping in is the right call, especially if it's, like, I don't know how many of us have ever met each other in real life in this group of people right here, but, like, a lot of us have never, will never, whatever, meet each other in physical space. So the definition of friends, colleagues, acquaintances is murky already. Mm -hmm. And so... I, you know, I try to imagine like a comment section or whatever as if it's my living room on, you know, if I upload a YouTube video and the comment section there is my living room. If someone is saying something terrible in my living room, I'm going to ask them to leave. 
And I think there's times where Muppet fandom feels like it's a living room and other times it feels like the world. And I think when we're in those spaces, whether it's a discord or it's a Twitter conversation or that, where it feels more like, oh, yeah, we're all hanging out right now having this thing. And someone just walked in and pooped in the punch bowl. uh, We're going (laughs) to ask that person to leave. Um, And again, I think it's complicated who asks that person to leave or how, you know, respectfully, maybe that conversation happens offline. Um, But I think it's important that that conversation happens at times. It feels sometimes silly to say that, like, this is a a very nice fandom, but like on the large part, it is. And it is a you know, we largely try to be about kindness and making people happy. Um, And so when I see the fandom actively working to make people not happy, sometimes I'm like, what? What are you doing here? Where where did this when did this confusion happen? The fan community, I I agree with you, is like I I just kind of thank my lucky stars every day. I didn't find myself in the middle of like the Star Wars fan community or anything like that. Not that there's anything wrong with being a Star Wars fan. Ooh, as a lifelong Star Wars fan, I have tapped out from talking about Star Wars on the internet for years for this very reason. Yeah, like, which generally speaking, you don't have to do with Muppets. Like, mm-hmm. there, there's nothing that's going to get you the responses you get for saying any opinion about The Last Jedi in Muppet spaces, to the best of my knowledge. Because by and large, Muppet fandom is just... It's a different kind of community, and it's usually one where, where for the most part, it seems like people are a little nicer. But it absolutely has, at times, sort of a bloodthirsty quality to it. And that, again, that's not a thing that happens all the time. But lately, it feels like it, it feels like some amount of disregard for the feelings and humanities of others is becoming uh, more and more of a recognizable feature of the community, and that's making me less and less happy with it so i haven't said anything in this whole conversation and that's because i feel almost entirely disconnected from all of this like so my recommendation to you jd is just do that like don't don't engage because none it it's not your job (laughs) you know and sorry go ahead all of my not all most of my social media posts are about like, look at this interesting VHS cover I found, you know? So like, I don't mean to sit here and be like, Oh, I'm doing it right. Everybody else is doing it wrong. I just don't even, I started on the tough pigs forum when I was 18 years old and I was one of the kids, you know, and Danny and Scott and Martha, Kathy, those guys were the adults and I was a child and in my mind, I'm still a child and those guys are adults and me and Ryan are children. And I have a podcast with my friend where we watch the Muppet movies two minutes at a time. And sometimes our other friends come on it. And sometimes Dave Goals comes on it or Michael Frith or something. And all of this happens in a bubble. And I don't know how people like the show and I don't think about it. And that is in my opinion, the best way to deal with the Muppet fan community, talk to your friends and don't worry about everyone else. I mean, I appreciate what you're saying, but there's a little bit of poison that's spread everywhere in this community right now. Not not to every single person, but part of what comes with being in a fan community is a group of people have decided to, however serious or unserious they may be, treat a franchise that is inherently deeply unimportant 
as though it is an important thing. <laughs> and a lot of times at Tough Pigs, we do it somewhat cheekily, tongue in cheek. Mm-hmm. Uh, now we would say ironically. I don't think that's what the word ironic meant before, but that's what it means now. And I like that element, but there's a lot to be said for the sincerity, for the beauty of people just having sincere passions without feeling the need to be ironic about it. But what comes with that is there are going to be a lot of moments when when people forget, when people forget that what happens with human beings is so much more important than what happens to a bunch of uh, a bunch of puppets. It's always more important. I get frustrated when I don't see that mentality everywhere and I can't expect to. But I, I, I hope we can figure out how to um, uh, centralize the experiences of people and chill out a little bit more. Um, and I also think to be very direct about something that we're not usually direct about. I'll be, I'll be finished with this in a moment, but I do think it's worth making this key point. We haven't totally worked out what are the... To, to speak to Beth's point, what are the characteristics of kindness in a community like this? What are the characteristics of positivity versus negativity in a community like this? Because for me, it seems that we are in a very neurodivergent fan community that doesn't know how to talk about that, that isn't especially well-educated about that, and that is something that for a very long time at big institutions like Tough Pigs, we kind of just ignored. And now it's probably time for everyone to get a, li- a little bit more thoughtful about it and figure out how to um, uh, navigate possibly the most controversial discourse I can think of. I've been trying to write my explainer about this for Tough Pigs for many months, and I do find myself wishing I was writing about The Last Jedi, because that would somehow probably arouse less anger when this is something that's very sensitive and for good reason. It's There's just not a lot of agreement on the subject, and understandably so, but... Now the way in which we show respect for one another and the way in which we care about one another is going to be dependent uh, dependent on being thoughtful about this stuff and being educated to the extent to which we can. It seems like a new chapter in the Muppet fan community, even though this was always there. And now I think that we kind of have to figure out how the heck we're going to deal with it. I'm hopeful that I can help with that in what ways I can. Did I completely kill the conversation? No, 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 no. I did it well, perfectly. Yeah. That was the perfect place to end. Yep. Perfect. <laughs> yeah, I, I just think that's I think that's a natural <laughs> end point. Yeah. Okay, cool. Then great, we're done. A panelists, yeah. friends, we've reached the end of another edition of the Great Muppet Fandom Panel. That means it's time for me to ask the panelists where we can find them on the internet. Jared, where can people find you on the internet? Just tough pigs. That's pretty much it. Um, I mean, I'm on Twitter, but I'm not going to lie. I'm really not on Twitter much anymore. Um, just find me on Tough Peaks. Come hang out with me and read conversations I have with myself about Oscar the Grouch being a Time Lord. That was a good one. I like that. <laughs> yeah, thank you. I mean, of course I did, but yeah. <laughs> hey, Anthony, where can people find you on the internet? Uh, well, I'm on Moving Right Along, as we discussed, a Tough Picks podcast. And I was for a long time not on any public social media at all. And the past six months or so, I've been on Blue Sky uh, at Derwood Clapper. I named, love it so much. Named, <laughs> named after a, a non-existent Muppet from a mobile game that doesn't exist anymore. A character who never existed in Puppet form. 
and doesn't even exist in digital form anymore. Uh, so at Derwood Clapper, where you can find me uh, picking the sensational character find of every year since 1924. And uh, I'm up to 1961. So check that out if you want to, I guess. <sighs> Anthony, I'm so glad I finally got to have you on this show. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, we, it feels like we've, we've uh, talked so little voice to voice, and yet I'm so happy every time. Sure, me too, me too. Oh, gosh. Remember that time we did a pilot that for a thing that ha- thus far has not gone, but I really enjoyed? Yeah, I know. I enjoyed it, too. Maybe someday I'll make that into a show. Maybe someday I won't. Uh, yeah, I don't know how many people know that Anthony and I recorded a podcast as co-hosts, and I just never finished it. But maybe someday. Maybe someday. Uh, yeah, Beth, you can, where can, you people... can cut that out. I just, it was fun. No, it's, uh, <laughs> hey, this mention of it might be the only fruit of our efforts just sure. people knowing yeah. that we did a thing sometimes is the only satisfaction that one gets in uh, an era of media when stuff gets deleted from streaming platforms. That's right. Beth, where can people find you on the internet? Mostly Fraggle Talk. Uh, it's it's a separate podcast channel from the Tough Pigs one, so you got to go over there and subscribe. Uh, but that is most of the content I'm putting out, but also still occasionally writing things for Tough Pigs. And if you want to follow me on social media where I'm occasionally exist uh i am at beth anna cook that is anna with two n's and matthew the non-tough pig i've (laughs) singled you out here um but i do hope that you felt very very welcome here because by gosh i was so glad to finally have you on this show oh well thank you for having me uh you know three-fourths of you made me feel very welcome um <laughs> good on you anthony you to exclude him classic classic me yeah <laughs> no uh but i actually did want to shout out uh jared here because i was going to recommend that if people want to go listen to a commitment episode to get a feel for what the show is like they should go uh check out episode 92 uh which was uh from you know almost a year ago and we were only in 1983 a year ago geez um but we were talking about don't eat the pictures with Jared as our very special guest on that episode. That was a great time. Truly one of my favorite episodes of a podcast. I'm being genuine because you had that that, uh, incredible talk at the beginning about Jared's article, Am I a Muppet Fan First? Mm. In case it isn't clear from everything that I just talked about, stuff that I think about a lot. (laughs) I forgot we even had that discussion. That was just like one of those, like, sometimes you have a good discussion, you forget it was on a podcast. Uh, but yes, that was a very good thing that we did record for the internet. So, uh, I would go check that out. You can go check out everything Kermitment at Kermitment.com. That'll give you links to, you know, the episodes, the merch, the Morpit gallery, um, (laughs) everything you need to enjoy Kermitment. If you want to follow us on the internet, it's at Kermitment pod, uh, on everywhere. And I am at Matthew Gatos everywhere. You and Sam should be very happy with yourselves because... You do great work, incredible co-hosts together, great dynamic. What a show. You, you've, you've really got uh, uh, the kind of podcast that is worthy of going on for as long as it takes to cover every single Muppet thing. Well, thank you so much. And, you know, we're, as long as we keep stealing all those uh, Muppies away from Tough Pigs... We'll keep doing it. <laughs> you definitely deserved some of them. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? That's the nicest thing you've ever said to me, Jared. I'll take it. <laughs> and now, a moment of spontaneous applause for our panel of Muppet experts. Thank you. 
If you enjoyed this program, we hope you'll consider supporting us on Patreon. Thank you to those of you who do so now. This Tough Pigs Muppet Fan Podcast was executive produced by the Tough Pigs Muppet Fan Podcast executive producer, Joe Hennis. Thanks to Kenny Durkin for our artwork, and thanks to Frank Oz, because it's always a good time to thank a Frank. For ToughPigs.com, this is J.D. Hansel reminding you, as I always do, of Jim Henson's motto, you'll never get out of the cube. Goodbye. So I start by boiling the water, usually a little bit of salt. You don't want too much salt in there, obviously. And then, you know, chuck the pasta in. Um, then, look, it's usually a different fry pan. Um, I'll have to start cooking up the mince and stuff like that. The secret is sriracha. You want a good spaghetti sauce, sriracha is the big deal. A um, little bit of garlic, a little bit of not too much garlic. So I'm just saying that Dexter should be the number one Muppet on Sesame Street going forward from now on. Look, he's got everything. He's tall. He can juggle. He's extremely handsome. What does Elmo have? Nothing. He's short. I've never seen him juggle, not even once. And Big Bird, you know, not the handsomest bird I've ever seen. And I'm pretty sure he definitely can't juggle. So what I'm really saying is that Dexter should be the new favorite Muppet of every small child growing up, learning their ABCs, their 123s, and most importantly, how to juggle. The most important skill a kid can learn. So here's the thing about the song New Day's Day from Flight of the Butterflies from from Back to the Rock. In the verses where they sing, so good, so good, so good, you cannot convince me that that's not a nod to Sweet Caroline. And more importantly, it is a nod to the part of Sweet Caroline that's not actually in the original song. It's become part of the experience of the song. It's generative. It's what happens when something is so popular and uplifting that people can't help but add to it. And that is exactly what Back to the Rock is. See, see what you can do on the TV? Well, it's me, me watching you, you looking at me, everybody watching everywhere, everybody, you're on the air. Well, I'm living in the future. Forget about today. Making dreams about fusion in a modern way. Bits and streams and holograms will capture me just as I am. I'm trapped, but I like it. Trapped? I'm not watching it now. Trapped in tomorrow. Trapped. I can't let it go. Every second I'm alive, I take a megabyte of life. I'm trapped. Searching for a source of endless energy? Can I push a button that will set me free? Set me free? Set us free? I'm trapped.